0: on I'm busy.
1: <laughs> Look there goes
2: again the You're listening to Ithaca Now WICB's weekly news program focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host Himadri Said, thank you for joining us. On tonight's show, WICB News Correspondents Jordan Broking and Lauren Leone continue to talk about the problem of understaffing in Ithaca and Tompkins County. And Correspondent Grant Johnson talks to Bob Roth, a Cornell alumni who is the co-creator of the Disney show The Ghost and Molly McKee. But first, we have Nora Dresser and Beck Legato with Community B.
3: Wednesday night, the Ithaca Fire Department extinguished a fire on Valley View Road. The fire was reported at 7.05pm by a neighbor. The house suffered major damage through the fire and was brought under control a half an hour after firefighters arrived at the scene. The homeowner sustained minimal injuries with minor burns and smoke inhalation but was
4: treated on the scene. Following a sudden vacancy on the City of Ithaca's Common Council, Patrick Meller has been appointed to serve the fourth ward. His term will begin October 13th and end in December 2022. The fourth ward is made up mostly of Cornell University and College Town. Meller is a 20 year old college student and was sworn in virtually. His appointment has come with some controversy as the other applicant for the vacancy, Katie Sims, spoke out at a public hearing about her qualifications as a recent Cornell graduate and experience working with a climate change based NGO. Meller was voted in, however, with a vote of 6-3, although the process of appointing applicants for vacancies has been criticized for a lack of transparency and the fact that there is no room for public input on filling the vacancy a limited outbreak of COVID-19 cases
3: have broken out among the inmates at Thompsons County Jail, with seven people having tested positive over this past month. These individuals have tested positive with mild symptoms, and due to the low inmate count, the seven were able to quarantine for 10 days in isolation from the general population. All incarcerated people at the jail are offered the Johnson & Johnson vaccine upon arrival and are immediately tested for COVID.
4: Cornell University announced on Wednesday that it will extend its vaccine requirement to require all employees to get the COVID vaccine by December 8th. Students residing and taking classes on campus had already been required to get the vaccine, but the universe did not require vaccines for staff and faculty until now. This mandate is in response to President Biden's executive order that requires federal contractors to get the vaccine. Since the university has federal contracts, this executive order applies to the school's employees. Any employee who is not fully vaccinated by December 8th, except under religious or medical exemption, will be removed from the payroll, according to Cornell President Martha Pollack. All New York State employees are allowed four paid hours off from work to get the vaccine, and the university has also provided information on how to get the vaccine, either through the CDC or through the Tompkins County Health Department.
3: Following a severe spike of cases of COVID-19 at the end of August, Tompkins County cases have steadily fallen over these last couple of weeks. Two more people were hired by the county to help with the increased amount of COVID-19 testing as a result of the county's mandatory weekly testing program for all employees. Despite the large increase in students being in classrooms, preventative measures seem to be working to avoid a large increase in cases.
4: Two people have been hospitalized after a stabbing on West State Street on Thursday night, according to the Ithaca Police Department. The police department is still investigating and reports that two victims were found, one male victim with multiple wounds in the upper body and legs, and one female victim with mild leg injuries. Ambulance and fire department workers provided aid on the scene. Both received hospital treatment, and while the female victim has been released, the male victim is currently in stable condition. The attackers in the stabbing have not yet been found.
3: For Noah Wren Wrestler, I'm Beck Legato.
2: Welcome back to Ithaca Now on 92 WICB. I'm your host, Himadri Sate. Two weeks ago, we brought you an update on employment numbers across the region and country. Numerous sectors of the economy have been hit by understaffing, most notably local school districts and colleges. A vaccination mandate by Governor Kathy Hoko also recently caused concern about unemployment rates among New York State healthcare workers. But how are these numbers really looking in Tompkins County? Correspondents Jordan Brooking and Lauren Leone spoke with Tompkins Workforce New York to get a better understanding of the county's employment landscape and how the amount of understaffing is affecting the local economy.
5: Cindy Sloan calls understaffing in the Tompkins County labor market a cycle
6: folks will leave and go find something where they can get those 40 hours and then that leads to a shortage of staff which then leads to a you know a different kind of experience. It's, it's just a very cyclical thing.
5: Sloan is a workforce development specialist for Tompkins Workforce New York. She says that when employers can't staff their businesses, it's challenging to bring in enough customers to support full-time hours for workers this in turn reproduces the local understaffing trend.
7: It doesn't matter whether it's frontline jobs all the way through highly technical, high level management positions that um, employers are struggling to fill the open positions that they have
5: available. That's Jackie So. She manages Tompkins Workforce New York's Career Center and directs its Office of Employment and Training.
7: We definitely are hearing from employers who are in service industries, hospitality and tourism, retail, um, that they are particularly struggling. And, and that is often because they need those frontline workers in order to fill shifts, in order to keep businesses like restaurants and hotels um, and
6: retail uh, shops open. In the beginning, it was a, there was a larger demand for um, applicants who would work from home.
5: Sloan says she has seen an evolving relationship between employers and job seekers regarding remote work amid the COVID-19 pandemic.
6: That's not where the demand is right now. Um, The demand is there from job seekers, but not from businesses, right? Those positions are filled very quickly.
5: Tompkins Workforce New York works to assist employers with finding qualified candidates for their open positions. However, Sloan goes on to say,
6: The tables are turned a little bit like the job interview used to be almost completely about the employer deciding who they will hire. And it's really turned into this kind of 50 50 deal where the employee is deciding, you know, the job seekers deciding whether or not they're going to accept an offer.
5: Mulyaso adds that negotiations have swung in the direction of job seekers because they now have more power to choose the company culture in which they work.
7: What we have seen is definitely increases in pay in order to bring people in the door, but we're also seeing employers um, make other offerings, things like offering um, education reimbursements and, you know, other incentives to help bring people in the door. They're beefing up their benefits packages.
5: She says that access to transportation, childcare assistance and flexible hours are among the perks that job seekers are increasingly demanding. There also has been a push from employees for more inclusive organizations that give workers decision making power.
7: We're definitely seeing um, major shifts and and I think in the big scheme of things, um, very positive shifts because these things are going to help address things like equity and diversity um, and justice in the workplace.
5: Mulya So notes that the timeline for making these changes has been uneven.
7: There are some employers who are really tuned into these necessary changes in culture who are diving in and, and, and hearing and listening and really working together with job seekers. And I think there are other employers who have felt um, really the, the squeeze of the impacts financially of the pandemic. And it may feel harder to make those adjustments.
5: Sloan says that to return to pre-pandemic staffing levels...
6: The sooner that both um, job seekers and employers can decide that meeting in the middle is the best way to go, you know, that that there's got to be some give on both sides. As soon as that agreement can happen, the sooner the ability to fill one's staff backup will increase.
0: Muyeso explains that staffing shortages at individual businesses have a cumulative impact on a local labor landscape over time.
7: If there's understaffing, that doesn't just affect their ability to... Um, they'll put put people in shifts It in turn affects things like the rest of the staff's morale and the, the pressure on other staff members to cover additional shifts or to have be under more stress just in the workplace.
0: The pandemic and subsequent economic downturn have had financial ramifications for consumers. Some are figuring out how to get by with less disposable income in their households and making fewer purchases.
7: You may not be able to buy the products that you typically would buy because somewhere, you know, um, maybe in another country or maybe here, the the the, the parts that go into making the whole um, are not being manufactured or not being created or not you know, they don't have people to put these things together in turn to you know keep keep the wheels turning.
0: In spite of this, employers are coming together to talk about their collective challenges and determine solutions. Sloan notes that her agency is developing a training series with partners like Cornell Cooperative Extension, the Ultimate Reentry Opportunity Initiative, and other employers in the community.
6: I just have to give kudos to our local businesses. hotels and restaurants, even even when they are short-staffed, they go above and beyond, right? We see managers and higher-level higher, higher level employees um, pitching in and doing every level of job to make sure that customer needs are met.
0: We asked Tompkins Workforce New York about state and federal resources for their local employment services. We also called the agency's plan to use Department of Labor funding for increase on-the-job training a win-win for all.
7: It's putting in a, a job seeker into a, a paid long-term position they're hired by the employer and in turn it offers the employer some some money to help pay with that pay that you know for that training period but it gives them a qualified candidate for their position
0: Tompkins workforce also intends to continue offering its virtual and in-person educational workshops and one-on-one resume cover letter and interview help to those looking to re-enter the workforce looking at 2022 Moyeso says
7: I think about employers and management and leadership in businesses and organizations understanding what the needs are of their employees, understanding what the needs are of new job seekers who maybe in the past they didn't consider employable. And now they're stretching kind of the perspective about who is employable.
0: So, to me, I so agree that going forward, local employment growth and job retention will be more dependent upon workers feeling respected and recognized by employers beyond the paycheck.
7: My sense is that the more that we as a community invest in that, um, the greater success we'll find in, you know, job seekers having what they need, employers having what they need, and being able to fill the positions that they have.
5: For WICB News, I'm Lauren Leone. And I'm Jordan Broking. The
2: Ghost in Molly McGee is a show that follows the journey of optimist Molly McGee and a pessimistic ghost named Scratch who become bound to each other when one of Scratch's spells backfires. The show, which has gained considerable popularity and has an IMDb rating of 8.4, is co-created by Bob Roth, who was once a part of the Ithaca community as an English major at Cornell University. Through his journey that started at Cornell, Roth has been part of several notable projects, including Aladdin, Impossible, and Lego Star Wars. Correspondent Grant Johnson sat down with Roth to dig deeper into this journey.
8: In May of 1977, a seven year old boy ventured into the State Theater in downtown Ithaca. Two hours later, that same boy left the theater knowing his purpose in life.
1: I wanted to make people feel the way I felt when I walked out of that theater, which was just full of joy. And I was like, that was great. I want to make people feel the way I'm feeling right now.
8: Bob Roth was that seven-year-old boy. Having moved to Ithaca at an early age, Bob spent his childhood in the city.
1: Well, Ithaca is a great place and it was a great place to grow up. I didn't, I didn't quite appreciate it so much until I moved away. And I, I didn't quite get what a little um, idyllic little town Ithaca is in a way. It's a great place. It was a great place to grow up. I made great friends that I still have to this day.
8: With parents that worked in the astronomy department of Cornell University, it was always a goal of his to attend the prestigious university.
1: My my entire life was set with one goal up to that point of
8: just keep your grades up enough to get into Cornell. Bob achieved his first of many big goals for his life, getting into Cornell University and studying English, packing in as many creative writing classes as he could in eight semesters. At several points in his time at Cornell, he asked his professors if he could write a screenplay, and here's what they had to say.
1: I was asking all of them, can I write a screenplay? And they were like,
8: no. Bob didn't take their advice and packed up all his belongings in his Toyota Tercel and said goodbye to the friends he met during his time at Cornell. Bob made the drive to Los Angeles, California. Over the years, he lent his writing abilities to projects such as Aladdin, Hercules, Kim Possible, Phineas and Ferb, and Lego Star Wars. But his most recent project is the one he had 100% creative control of.
1: What makes Molly stand out from the rest of them is that this is a show we created 100% on our own. Not to say we do everything, but the the uh, we've got a very talented team on the crew, a very talented crew, but... The concept of the show is 100% us. We're not riding on somebody else's intellectual property. We're not riding and standing on the shoulders of giants.
8: Bob is one of the two creators of Disney Channel's newest animated show titled The Ghost and Molly McGee. The show follows an optimistic middle schooler named Molly McGee who moved to Brighton with her family. After she moved into an old house, she found a ghost living in her bedroom. Molly embraces the ghost named Scratch, while his only mission is to bring misery to Brighton and all who inhabit it.
1: Molly herself, like Ithaca is full of people who care about the environment and care about each other. Uh, they're, they're exuberant with their, with their uh, enthusiasm for, for other people. And that is Molly to a T. So I think a lot of uh, what informs Molly came out of the
8: people of Ithaca. So while Molly resembles much of Ithaca, the place she lives in is very different from the city. When creating the show with his partner of 30 years, Bob realized that his connection to the show was much more than just being the creator.
1: You know, Bill and I, we, we didn't quite realize it when we came up with the characters, but we were working. Once we started really digging into them, we were like, "Oh, you're Molly and I'm Scratch. You're the exuberant uh, extrovert who's happy-go-lucky, and I'm I'm an introvert." Uh, I, I'm happy to just be left alone. I, I don't have that, uh, that optimism and enthusiasm that Bill has for everything. That's, that's what makes this project really special to us. It's, it's 100% Bill and Bob.
8: Bob said that the show being 100% Bob and Bill proved to Disney that a second season would be worthwhile, even before the first season of The Ghost of Molly McGee premiered on Disney Channel.
1: Just the fact that they picked our show to make, you know, Disney is a gigantic company. They're approached by thousands of people every day. Hey, make my thing, make my thing. The fact that they, they uh, out of everything, picked our idea and nurtured it, let it grow, made it a show, and then beyond that, picked up a second season. It's, a, it's an honor and it's a thrill.
8: With every show that Bob and Bill create, they hope it becomes a family viewing experience.
1: Bill and I always try to do is make sure that it's not just focused on kids, that um, if mom and dad are dragged onto the couch to watch their kid's favorite show, that they wind up enjoying it as much as the kid does. And uh, you know, it's that family co-viewing that we really want.
8: After dozens of projects, The Ghost and Molly McGee is the show that made other kids like seven-year-old Bob (laughs) feel the way he did walking out of the doors of the State Theater in Ithaca, New York. The first five episodes of The Ghost and Molly McGee are streaming on Disney Plus Now, and the official soundtrack is available on all music streaming platforms. For WICB News, I'm Grant Johnson.
2: That's all for tonight's edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org, And if you'd like to listen to past stories, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now to hear full shows anywhere, anytime. Also subscribe to The Latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday. Just search WICB News Presents on your favorite podcast app. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This show would not happen without the support and assistance from manager of television and radio operations Jeremy Menard, WICB station manager Connor Hibbert, and programming director Lou Barron. Ithaca Now is produced by myself and this week's correspondents Jordan Broking, Lauren Leone, and Grant Johnson. All of the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky. I have any feedback, story ideas? Just want to say Hi. Feel free to reach out by emailing news at wicb.org. We will be back with a full episode of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. next Sunday. I'm Madri Seth, and thank you for listening to Ithaca Now on WICB.